Welcome to Accelerating Government with ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. Now your host, Dave Winogren. Welcome to another episode of Accelerating Government. For over 40 years, the American Council for Technology and Industry Advisory Council has served a unique position in the federal market as a nonprofit whose purpose is to bring together government and industry leaders to accelerate government mission outcomes through collaboration, leadership, and education. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the customer experience imperative in government with Lee Becker, and then do a deep dive with an outstanding federal technology leader, Margie Graves. So let's get to it. I'm delighted to be joined for our first segment today by Lee Becker, Vice President, Regulated Industries, serving the public sector, healthcare, and other regulated industries at Medallia, and former Chief of Staff of the Veterans Experience Office of the Department of Veterans Affairs. Welcome, Lee. Thank you so much, Dave. Honored to be here with you and your awesome audience. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we're delighted to have you. Lee, thank you so much for joining us today. Customer experience is gaining great prominence in the federal market and was a key topic of ACT-IAC's Agenda 2021 Presidential Election Project papers. You've looked at this topic from both a government and industry perspective. Why do you think customer experience is such an important topic for government right now? Thank you, Dave. It's really, and first, I really appreciate ACT-IX leadership in this space and really kind of placing CX, customer experience, at the forefront of, of ensuring great service delivery to our, to our citizens, our residents, veterans, farmers, service members, everyone that the government serves. It is truly at the core when we think of our government, of being of the people, by the people, for the people. So therefore, customer experience, and it's, it's fantastic that we're seeing and we've seen industry really embrace customer experience from the standpoint of how do you provide great services? So we think about the best brands that we love working with, whether it's Apple, whether it's you know, Marriott, whether it's thinking of any, the day-to-day uh, Walmart now, seeing the incredible improvements that they're making because they've really placed customer experience at its forefront. And then over the years, seeing how specific like, like agencies like VA, Social Security Administration, USDA, really taking this, this discipline I think of it as a business discipline into how to deliver services, better services, using customer experience, using that lens of customer experience. And it's not just, oh, let's just be nice, but actually found fundamentally, how do we make sure data, the right data, the right tool, the right technology, the right engagement, all those capabilities to ensure a great experience is truly fundamental. And Dave, I would say is that seeing it from the government side, and seeing it on the industry side, probably one of my greatest frustrations have been, you know, as a public servant, you know, coming to serve and as many list, your listeners, they're, they're there in government trying to serve every day and wanting to give their all and are the partners that are trying to enable. The greatest frustration is to have a, when you see an agency that is caught by surprise, right? That is caught by this like, wow, I can't believe that that happened. I can't believe that we have this influx of claims or I can't believe that we have now more women veterans coming into, that are, are, are coming into the ranks. I can't believe that it's all this like surprise. And what we found was that if you apply customer experience correctly, you won't be surprised because you will have you know, your fingers on the pulse, so to speak. You will be able to listen to the feel, to the deck plate, to where, to where the work is happening. And being able to then utilize that information to then be proactive and anticipate those needs. And then, which will then allow us to be work smarter, not harder, right? And that's, to me, what, what excited me around seeing customer experience. It, it almost felt like this special, like, tools that I never had before, that I didn't have before, almost, 
where I have these tools now to really, and my team had those tools to be able to deliver uh, more effectively, more efficiently for the greatest impact and outcome, because that's what it's all about. You know, the government agencies are there to serve the people. So how, how do we ensure that we can do that the very best way? Excellent. You touched on so many important points, issues of trust and the power of data to move us from decisions based on fear and anecdote to data-driven evidence-based policies. It's just so much important stuff. And you mentioned some of the frustrations that you've seen when folks are surprised by things that they shouldn't be. And so, you know, as you survey the market, are there some customer experience initiatives that you're excited about, uh, some things that you see going on either in government or in industry that you, the audience should know about? Absolutely. So thanks for really double-clicking on this notion of relationship between trust and customer experience. And what we found was when we, were, when we asked our veterans what was most important to them and how to utilize VA, they said it was all about trust. They said, if we trust you, we will utilize your services. And we're finding that to be true in any other agency as well, that the power of trust is so, so fundamental and so important. And I'm really grateful to see a legislation like the Trust in Public Service which is in Congress right now, was introduced, that there's this recognition how important trust is. And what we're seeing is that customer experience is being seen in government as a way to really put words into action. Because the, the way you gain trust is you gain trust by action, by listening really well and then acting on it. Right. So having this, what I loved about when you think about the customer experience discipline, it's showing very clearly that, hey, we're listening and here's now how we're going to act on it. This is particularly important as we're seeing with our president has, you know, placed the priority of equity. You know, we know there's an executive order on equity. We know that every agency is required to put plans around equity. How are they going to do it? So it, what's interesting is now we're seeing the concentric circles of trust, equity, and customer experience. Equity, as you know, Dave, it, it's, it could just be words. Hey, we want to be equitable. But how do we make sure that we are being equitable? How do we make sure that we are really meeting and, and meeting our services, delivering the services in an equitable fashion, that we're addressing it by age, by gender, race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, by location? The only way to do that is to apply the principles of customer experience and apply it by validating with our customers, validating with our employees, validating to make sure that we are truly delivering an equitable way. And if not, that's okay. We now know that we have the information. So for instance, if we know that in the Midwest for women between 40 and 50 years old that are people of color, we know that we have a gap in a delivery of service around claims for whatever it is, whether it's unemployment claims or whatnot. Now it becomes very actionable. Now we know it's not just, oh, we have a claims problem or we're not you know, able to handle the claims influx or we're seeing issues with claims processing. We now know very clearly we have an actionable way to now address it, right? And when I think about some of the examples, and I, again, just because of being at VA and I'm just so, so proud of the work that VA did with the cross-agency protocol and their customer experience the last go around, and thinking what they've done in this administration, just for instance, having trust in a segmented way, showing by age, gender, race, ethnicity, having that as on their website. So if you go to va.gov trust, you'll actually see the results, you know, there. And again, there's gaps. Like for instance, there's still gaps, uh, you know, with women veterans. I mean, we made a lot of improvements, but there's gaps in women veterans, Alaska Native, Native Americans. For younger veterans, we're seeing some of those gaps 
But what's amazing is VA is saying, okay, those are gaps. And guess what? We're going to have very clear action plans on how we're going to address it. And we're going to hold ourselves accountable. We're going to report out to you, to our veterans, the veteran population, to the veteran service organizations, to the people that are expecting veterans to be taken care of. We'll make sure to hold ourselves accountable and show you the progress of it. That to me is the power of, you know, when I think about, you know, how to really apply the discipline of customer experience to the, the themes and trends that we're seeing and the need to really address equity, to address trust, the trust gaps and the equity gaps, we could really utilize customer experience to do that. And that is just so special to see that those connections are being made, right? We're seeing it, whether from Congress, the Trust and Public Service Act, we're seeing it also the FACE Act, there's another, right, another legislation on it. We're seeing, you know, the great leadership and organization by act doing that as well. You know, you've got OMB. And also, I'll tell you, I don't know, the, the recent equity report from OMB to the White House around equity, as an example, one of the things that really, like, just got me, got me really excited. This, this one statement around the administrative burden, right, administrative burden essentially enables inequity, right? So if you think about it, which is how, how age, sometimes the processes of our government can be so complex, whether it's from policy or whatnot, and then it gets, the burden gets placed on the res, our residents, our constituents, our citizens, that if you don't have a JD, if you're, if you're not an attorney <laughs> or you don't have a PhD, it may be very difficult to figure out that process, right? It shouldn't be that way. You don't have to be an attorney to be able to figure out the process. It shouldn't be that way. It should be done easily. But the way to do it, it's easier said than done. Applying customer experience is the way to do it. That's where we've seen industry have, has done it. We've seen agencies that have, that have taken on the CX discipline have done it. And so it's a fantastic way to really move forward. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and we should also note that the ACT-IAC CX Summit 2021 will take place on Tuesday, September 14th. And you can register for the event by going to the ACT-IAC website, which is www.actiac.org. As the industry co-chair, Lee, we really thank you on behalf of ACTIAC for the great leadership. I know you've put together a great agenda. And so I'd like to say as we close out the segment, Lee Becker is the Vice President for Regulated Industries at Medallia and a true champion for customer service experience, both in government and industry. Lee, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. We will take a quick break now. And when we return, Margie Grays will be joining us to discuss technology priorities and leadership. I'm Dave Wintergren, and you're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. Welcome to Accelerating Government with ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. Now your host, Dave Wintergren. Welcome to another episode of Accelerating Government. For over 40 years, the American Council for Technology and Industry Advisory Council has served a unique position in the federal market as a nonprofit whose purpose is to bring together government and industry leaders to accelerate government mission outcomes through collaboration, leadership, and education. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the customer experience imperative in government with Lee Becker, and then do a deep dive with an outstanding federal technology leader, Margie Graves. So let's get to it. I'm delighted to be joined for our first segment today by Lee Becker, Vice President, Regulated Industries, serving the public sector, healthcare, and other regulated industries at Medallia, and former Chief of Staff of the Veterans Experience Office of the Department of Veterans Affairs. Welcome, Lee. 
Thank you so much, Dave. Honored to be here with you and your awesome audience. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we're delighted to have you. Lee, thank you so much for joining us today. Customer experience is gaining great prominence in the federal market and was a key topic of Act IAC's Agenda 2021 presidential election project papers. You've looked at this topic from both a government and industry perspective. Why do you think customer experience is such an important topic for government right now? Thank you, Dave. It's really, and first, I really appreciate ActiX leadership in this space and really kind of placing CX, customer experience, at the forefront of, of ensuring great service delivery to our, to our citizens, our residents, veterans, farmers, service members, everyone that the government serves. It is truly at the core when we think of our government, of being of the people, by the people, for the people. So therefore, customer experience, and it's, it's fantastic that we're seeing and we've seen industry really embrace customer experience from the standpoint of how do you provide great services? So we think about the best brands that we love working with, whether it's Apple, whether it's you know, Marriott, whether it's thinking of any, the day-to-day -day, uh, Walmart now, seeing the incredible improvements that they're making because they've really placed customer experience at its forefront. And then seeing over the years, seeing how specific like, like agencies like VA, Social Security Administration, USDA, really taking this, this discipline, I think of it as a business discipline, into how to deliver services, better services, using customer experience, using that lens of customer experience. And it's not just, oh, let's just be nice, but actually found fundamentally, how do we make sure data, the right data, the right tool, the right technology, the right engagement, all those capabilities to ensure a great experience is truly fundamental. And Dave, I would say is that, you know, seeing it from the government side, and seeing it on the industry side, probably one of my greatest frustrations have been, you know, as a public servant, you know, coming to serve and as many list your listeners that are, that are there in government trying to serve every day and wanting to give their all and are the partners that are trying to enable, the greatest frustration is to have a, when you see an agency that is caught by surprise, right? That is caught by this like, wow, I can't believe that that happened. I can't believe that we have this influx of claims or I can't believe that we have now more women veterans coming into, that are, are, are coming into the ranks. I can't believe that it's all this like surprise. And what we found was that if you apply customer experience correctly, you won't be surprised because you will have you know, your fingers on the pulse, so to speak. You will be able to listen to the feel, to the deck plate, to where, to where the work is happening. And being able to then utilize that information to then be proactive and anticipate those needs. And then, which will then allow us to be work smarter, not harder, right? And that's to me what, what excited me around seeing customer experience. It, it almost felt like this special like tools that I never had before, that I didn't have before almost, where I have these tools now to really, my team had those tools to be able to deliver uh, more effectively, more efficiently for the greatest impact and outcome, because that's what it's all about. You know, the government agencies are there to serve the people. So how, how do we ensure that we can do that the very best way? Excellent. You touched on so many important points, issues of trust and the power of data to move us from decisions based on fear and anecdote to data-driven, evidence-based policies. It's just so much important stuff. And you mentioned some of the frustrations that you've seen when folks are surprised by things that they shouldn't be. And so, you know, as you survey the market, are there some customer experience initiatives that you're excited about, uh, some things that you see going on either in government or in industry that you, the audience should know about? 
Absolutely. So thanks for really double-clicking on this notion of relationship between trust and customer experience. And what we found was when we, were, when we asked our veterans what was most important to them and how to utilize VA, they said it was all about trust. They said, if we trust you, we will utilize your services. And we're finding that to be true in any other agency as well. That the power of trust is so, so fundamental. It's so important. And I'm really grateful to see a legislation like the Trust in Public Service which is in Congress right now, was introduced, that there's this recognition how important trust is. And what we're seeing is that customer experience is being seen in government as a way to really put words into action. Because the, the way you gain trust is you gain trust by action, by listening really well and then acting on it. Right. So having this, what I loved about when you think about the customer experience discipline, it's showing very clearly that, hey, we're listening and here's now how we're going to act on it. This is particularly important as we're seeing with our president has, you know, placed the priority of equity. You know, we know there's an executive order on equity. We know that every agency is required to put plans around equity. How are they going to do it? So it, what's interesting is now we're seeing the concentric circles of trust, equity, and customer experience. Equity, as you know, Dave, it, it's, it could just be words. Hey, we want to be equitable. But how do we make sure that we are being equitable? How do we make sure that we are really meeting and, and meeting our services, delivering the services in an equitable fashion, that we're addressing it by age, by gender, race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, by location? The only way to do that is to apply the principles of customer experience and apply it by validating with our customers, validating with our employees, validating to make sure that we are truly delivering an equitable way. And if not, that's okay. We now know that we have the information. So for instance, if we know that in the Midwest for, um, you know, for women between 40 and 50 years old that are people of color, we know that we have a gap in a delivery of service around claims for whatever it is, whether it's unemployment claims or whatnot. Now it becomes very actionable. Now we know it's not just, oh, we have a claims problem or we're not you know, able to handle the claims influx or we're seeing issues with claims processing. We now know very clearly we have an actionable way to now address it, right? And when I think about some of the examples, and I, again, just because of being at VA and I'm just so, so proud of the work that VA did with the cross-agency particle and their customer experience the last go-around and thinking what they've done in this administration, just for instance, having trust in a segmented way, showing by age, gender, race, ethnicity, having that as on their website. So if you go to va.gov trust, you'll actually see the results, you know, there. And again, there's gaps. Like for instance, there's still gaps, uh, you know, with women veterans. I mean, we made a lot of improvements, but there's gaps in women veterans, Alaska Native Native Americans. For younger veterans, we're seeing some of those gaps. But what's amazing is VA is saying, okay, those are gaps. And guess what? We're going to have very clear action plans on how we're going to address it. And we're going to hold ourselves accountable. We're going to report out to you, to our veterans, the veteran population, to the veteran service organizations, to the people that are expecting veterans to be taken care of. We'll make sure to hold ourselves accountable and show you the progress of it. That, to me, is the power of, you know, when I think about, you know, how to really apply the discipline of customer experience to the, the themes and trends that we're seeing and the need to really address equity, to address trust, the trust gaps and the equity gaps, we could really utilize customer experience to do that. And that is just so special to see 
that those connections are being made, right? We're seeing it, whether from Congress, the Trust and Public Service Act, we're seeing it also the FACE Act, there's another, right, another legislation on it. We're seeing, you know, the great leadership and organization by ACT IAC doing that as well. You know, you've got OMB, you're seeing those. And also, I'll tell you, I don't know, the, the recent equity report that was just the report that from OMB to, to the White House around equity, as an example, one of the things that really, like, just got me, got me really excited, this, this one statement around the administrative burden, right, administrative burden essentially enables inequity, right? So if you think about it, which is how, how sometimes the processes of our government can be so complex, whether it's from policy or whatnot, and then it gets, the burden gets placed on the rest, our residents, our constituents, our citizens, right? That if you don't have a JD, if you're, if you're not an attorney or you don't have a PhD, it may be very difficult to figure out that process, right? It shouldn't be that way. You don't have to be an attorney to be able to figure out the process. It shouldn't be that way. It should be done easily. But the way to do it, it's easier said than done. Applying customer experience is the way to do it. That's where we've seen industry have, has done it. We've seen agencies that have, that have taken on the CX discipline have done it. And so it's a fantastic way to really move forward. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and we should also note that the ACT-IAC CX Summit 2021 will take place on Tuesday, September 14th. And you can register for the event by going to the ACT-IAC website is www.actiac.org. As the industry co-chair, Lee, we really thank you on behalf of ACTIAC for the great leadership. I know you've put together a great agenda. And so I'd like to say as we close out the segment, Lee Becker is the Vice President for Regulated Industries and Medallia and a true champion for customer service experience, both in government and industry. Lee, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. We will take a quick break now. And when we return, Margie Grays will be joining us to discuss technology priorities and leadership. I'm Dave Wintergren, and you're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. I'm Dave Wintergren, CEO of ACT-IAC, and joining me today for our Technology Leadership Spotlight is Margie Graves, Senior Fellow at the IBM Center for the Business of Government and former Federal Deputy CIO. As we left off, Margie, we were wrapping up your august and distinguished career in government, but you have a new adventure now. You've returned to the private sector. I was wondering if you could tell our audience a little bit about your new job at IBM and what will you be working on? Certainly. Uh, I've joined IBM as a fellow in the IBM Center for the Business of Government. So uh, it's really a, an opportunity for me to participate in thought leadership, uh, to connect the dots between the requirements and the challenges that are uh, resident within government today in terms of adopting technology to help the mission and to translate that uh, into good solutions that get developed in the industry realm. So connecting the dots between uh, the government need and the industry capability to better understand, uh, oftentimes I know that when I was in the government and I uh, talked to other colleagues about this also, we didn't always know the breadth and depth of the capability that could be offered to us uh, through uh, various industry players. And on the other side, I'm finding, uh, working with uh, IBM and other technology companies, that um, a lot of times uh, they don't 
get clear and total insight into the constraints and the challenges that are facing uh, any individual agency within the federal government. And they are all somewhat different. And they all have uh, different political challenges, uh, different uh, organizational structures, different um, capability and, and uh, talent pipelines and, and different mission spaces that all have to be addressed in turn. And in order for industry to best serve those clients, they need to have an understanding of that. So in this new job, I have the capability to uh, produce roundtables and we uh, convene industry and government leaders to talk about important topics. And I can give you a couple of examples which would have perhaps illustrate this more effectively. Um, just recently, we did hold a uh, round table with um, a number of uh, government executives and industry executives on the topic of open source, open data, and cloud, and how those three elements all of which we've been talking about individually and all of which have an importance in our strategy going forward to improve uh, outcomes in the federal government. But how are we looking at those in concert and having them actually create synergies in and amongst those three topics uh, so, that, um, so that we are getting the best leverage out of all three in combination? So that was an extremely interesting conversation to have. And we produced a report. Uh, that report was available uh, not only through IBM, but also through the Data Coalition and a lot of other entities that participated. Uh, we got a lot of um, uptake on that thought leadership piece. And it elicited, most importantly, continued conversation on those topics and how we could all make it better. Uh, in addition, we recently held a couple of forums uh, regarding AI. I had mentioned that in the first segment when we were talking. And particularly um, understanding how to uh, jumpstart a true AI analytical capability uh, within an agency and what are the underpinnings and pieces and parts that you have to have in place in order for that to be a successful program. And not only that, but the sequencing of those milestones and parts and pieces uh, so that you don't prematurely uh, step into the realm and then not uh, have yourself uh, effectively supported by the right infrastructure, the right governance, uh, the right um, you know, constant vigilance over the uh, effectiveness of your algorithms, the protection of privacy, all of the things that, um, that we consider uh, when we're talking about the, the best public use of AI in order to avoid those pitfalls uh, where you might not end up with the right answer or might not end up in the right place. So um, those are the kinds of thought leadership conversations that we're having. Uh, I really uh, enjoy those because I get to hear so many diverse viewpoints uh, based on experience and, uh, and far-reaching um, uh, you know, difference in capabilities that people are bringing to the table. And uh, it, it forms a richer product in the longer term. Uh, and it also just encourages us once again uh, to note that when we 
do come together and center around a common goal, solving a problem, a specific issue, uh, that we are, are better for having uh, had many voices in the equation. I think that's such an important segue. I'll just say throughout your career, both in industry and in government, you've been so generous with your time. You're a fellow at the National Academy of Public Administration. You're past president of the American Council for Technology. You're currently the chair of the Industry Advisory Council. Uh, you obviously have seen great value about this importance of government and industry collaboration together. And I was wondering if you could offer some advice to our audience about why you feel it's so important to engage in these sort of outside activities that allow government and industry to, to work together? I have found that at every point in my career where I faced a particularly um, daunting task or had a challenge in front of me, that there was always somebody who had been there and done that or had at least thought about it or was on the pathway to thinking about it or had uh, done some research on it. Uh, so in these good government groups, as we all uh, call them, there's such a great opportunity to avail yourself of, of community and that coalition building that we talked about at the beginning of people who have uh, like goals. And uh, once they get moving in the same direction, they're a powerful force for change. Um, I always received really good advice uh, whenever I posed an issue to any of the groups that I worked with. And I worked with all of these groups. I now belong to these groups. Uh, but I guess that's the, the, you know, the outgrowth of action, have, having been around a while. The I inevitable arc, right? As you, as you, yeah. Yeah. yeah, because, you know, when you, re when you receive, it certainly wants, uh, you know, it certainly makes you want to give back in a big way because you have received the benefit of that conversation uh, throughout your entire career. And I, of course, was on uh, the receiving end of, of uh, and I can name multiple times uh, when I was going through um, a lot of the consolidations that we were doing at DHS in terms of our, of our infrastructure and in terms of our applications, in terms of um, uh, adopting those new technologies, there was always uh, someone who was on the cutting edge of that, both from an industry standpoint in terms of what the offerings were, and from a government standpoint in terms of adoption, uh, that could uh, talk through it with me. And whenever I was in that position, uh, the, the biggest thing is to, is to make sure that you know that you're never alone uh, in these endeavors. Um, the CIO Council was a very powerful force for me, both at DHS for their council and also at the federal level for the federal CIO Council. Uh, we solved these issues together. And a lot of the issues were common. And not only were they common within the federal government, they were common within industry. One of my favorite questions to ask of industry leaders was always, well, how are you addressing this in your corporation? And we took a couple of field trips up to see um, some of the major banks in New York City, like J.P. Morgan Chase, et cetera, because they had a lot of the same cybersecurity challenges that we had. So those are the kinds of conversations that, um, that spark your imagination and that lead you to ultimately uh, a solution and looking at the problem through a different uh, lens that you might not have actually done if you hadn't had access 
to all of those great wines yeah. in uh, through using those good government groups. Yeah, that's so well said. You know, your experience lines up exactly with mine. With my time in government, you know, I was always eager to go see what the private sector was doing, what were the best practices, because it, as you said, we're not alone. And it's really hard sometimes to step out of your comfort zone and, and try something bold and new unless, you know, you know that like others are there too. And, and so I was always eager as you were to go see what were the best practices and the best ideas. We are all clearly enriched by this conversation together and this collaboration together. And so I, I applaud you for being a champion. We're gonna take a quick break now. I'm Dave Wintergren. You're listening to Accelerating Government brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. And we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Welcome back. You're listening to Accelerating Government brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. I'm Dave Wintergren, CEO of ACT-IAC. And joining me today for our technology leadership spotlight is longtime federal technology leader, Margie Grace, who's a senior fellow at the IBM Center for the Business of Government, former federal deputy CIO and chair of the industry advisory council. Margie, as we were, uh, as we were going into break, we were talking about like what's going on in the private sector. And I think that's a great segue to sort of this broader conversation about, we have a new administration. They've been in place for months now. There's still new leaders coming in, but clearly there's already been some important pushes made in the technology market. And I'm wondering if you could share with our audience from your vantage point, what are you seeing as some of the top technology issues that the federal government will be facing in the, in the year ahead? What will be top of mind for federal technology leaders? Well, I think with the release of the EO in the cyber realm just recently, it's clear that we're going to be trying to up our game in that arena. Some of the incidents that have occurred just recently, not only in the ransomware space, but also uh, the SolarWinds breach, and then ultimately the pipeline breach, it gives you pause. We are not on top of this uh, the way we'd like to be. And many of the elements of the current executive order are designed to push people in that direction in a very rapid fashion and to try to accelerate any progress that we can make uh, in the next year, particularly. Uh, and when you look at it, there seem to be a lot of critical milestones and a lot of updates and and responsibilities, but ultimately what we're trying to, to do is to make sure that we are addressing zero-day exploits and trying to operate in a different architecture in a different manner uh, so that we are not so vulnerable to some of the uh, more recent breaches, particularly establishing a zero-trust architecture that we are operating in um, what I would consider to be, uh, you know, internet as transport stateless kind of environment. And therefore, we must always assume that uh, we are not trusting and that we have to verify. So given that, uh, there is no, oh, I'm going to flip this switch and I'm going to be in zero trust. And there's no company that comes to you and says, I know how to implement zero trust. Zero trust is a concept it's not a product. Uh, so it has to be designed and it has to be clearly thought through for your organization and, and where you uh, sit in terms of that journey. And you just start knocking it out. You've got to start putting those milestones in place and knocking it out. We also have to take on uh, the fact that we're going to have to do 
offensive cyber. Uh, we're going to have to address critical infrastructure. Identity management is always front of mind. And then supply chain, uh, because we've all been bitten by supply chain most recently. There are elements uh, in our procurement process that we have to change in order to address that also. So it's not just the technology. One of the things that we need to make sure that we do is to uh, understand that uh, this is that we didn't get here overnight, but we have to have a sense of urgency uh, in trying to work our way out of it with more speed and alacrity. Uh, otherwise, um, we will constantly be back on our heels. So this is front and center. It's an absolute imperative. It's table stakes as far as I'm concerned. In terms of the, the way that we deliver services and outcomes for our organizations, um, one of the things that we need to center on is, of course, uh, the appropriate use of data. And the Evidence-Based Policy Act, as well as the federal-wide data strategy, give us two platforms for beginning to take that journey. Uh, the establishment of chief data officers as a coordination point, a centralized point for being able to uh, identify the most important data sets to, to derive value from that data and to use the value to execute more appropriately against our missions is probably one of the most critical elements of our strategy in the federal government. In terms of digital transformation, making sure that we are using those cutting edge technologies like AI, like blockchain, but also having the guardrails in place so that we don't use them inappropriately is very important. Customer experience is at the heart of everything that we do because we serve the American citizen and the ability for that citizen to be able to use government services and to also be protected or served by the government mission is absolutely at the heart of everything we do. Uh, making sure that we are, are co-creating and understanding that experience through certain um, approaches like DevSecOps, which um, puts the customer at the center of the equation, but also builds in security and privacy and appropriate protections for their data while we're doing it is, is one of the ways that we're going to actually implement uh, this important imperative. And finally, um, what we do in terms of our workforce capability and building our workforce of the future, understanding the skill sets that are going to be needed in order to utilize, implement, and derive the best from all of the technologies that we're putting in place, uh, as well as being able to transform mission spaces and, and, and give our leaders in the mission space uh, everything associated with the art of the possible and how we can actually um, explain that in mission terms. Not talking wires and boxes and bits and bytes, but ultimately talking about delivery of service to the citizen and, and how that improves or uh, you know, any, any mission space that you're talking about. Government mission spaces uh, engender a passion in people uh, because they are a calling. Uh, they're not just jobs. So if you work for the Environment, Environmental Protection Agency, you are passionate about protecting the environment. If you work for 
DHS, you are passionate about protecting the homeland and about responding to disasters and meeting people on their worst day and actually helping them recover. All of those things feed into the equation of why people stay in government service, even though it may be discouraging and challenging at certain points in time. There are also those those small victories on a daily basis when you when you know that you have done something that is important to your next door neighbor and your next door neighbor may not even know it or ever end up knowing it. But in your heart, you know that you have done something for your community by the actions that you took and applying your specific talents and your specific knowledge to to the missions that we serve. Uh, That nobody can describe that feeling unless you've actually lived it. And I think that's what keeps people uh, going day to day. Yeah, absolutely. The the power and promise of service is a truly wonderful thing. You, you've been such a champion for, you talked about the workforce, for mentoring individuals. We have about a minute or so left in the interview. I'm just wondering if you'd like to offer some parting advice on leadership and, and, and for folks who are younger in entering the federal technology market, either in industry or government, what's some mentoring advice you'd like to offer the audience? Well, I, I would say you lead from where you are. It doesn't matter where you are in the arc of your career you lead from where you are. And if you are leading among colleagues, if you are leading an organization, if you're moving up and you're, and you're uh, actually leading uh, specific service areas, um, it's always important to be able to be constantly curious. You're always wanting to make it better. You look at the way things are, be do- are being done and you ask why, and why couldn't they be done this way? And wouldn't that be an improvement? So having that that constant curiosity, uh, I think, is at the forefront of leadership. Uh, Also, being able to um, set a vision, to look out over the horizon and see how things might be, and then to be able to work your way backwards through the the things that you have to do (laughs) in order to, it can't just be, hey, I have a dream. It has to be um, uh, backed up by, uh, real, true um, work in progress that would allow you to achieve that ultimate vision. Uh, and then inspiring people uh, through the conversations that you have with them, inspiring um, uh, coalitions or, or, or people who work with you and for you and, uh, and also your own leadership, inspiring people to see that vision and to see themselves and their contribution to that vision. Uh, is is one of the tenets of leadership in my I think opinion. That's an amazing place to lead. We'll we'll describe <laughs> it as an inspirational conversation. Margie Graves, your leadership has been inspirational. And we're grateful <laughs> for all that you do for the federal technology market. I'd like to just thank you again for joining us today. And on today's episode, we heard from the imperative for customer experience to drive results and build trust. We've heard from an outstanding federal technology leader on the Thanks for listening to Accelerating Government with ActiA. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime in your podcast feed. Search for Accelerating Government on Podcast One, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to Accelerating Government with ActiA. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime in your podcast feed. Search for Accelerating Government on Podcast One, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts.